It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. I'm Bob McElligot and the Blue Jackets finished off their series with the Carolina Hurricanes last night. A four-game series. Unfortunately, the Blue Jackets lost in overtime, but fortunately, they did get a point. I'll explain more about that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Telhio Credit Union. It was all the way back in 1934 when Telhio Credit Union decided they were going to put people and their customers, when I talk about people, they were going to put people ahead of profit. And that's the way they have operated ever since then. To this day, that is their mantra. That is the way they do business. They don't even think about it anymore. It is in their DNA. So Telhio Credit Union is a place that you should look at as far as where to put your money. What kind of programs do they have? What kind of perks do they have to go with the different programs and accounts that they have. You can find out all of that information just by looking them up on the web. Telhio.org is their website. All the information right there, as I said, why should you join a credit union? Well, they'll tell you right there. What kind of services are there? Uh, If there's something you can't find, there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen during business hours. You click on that and somebody will pop up on the screen and they will help you to navigate through the site, help you to get the answers to all of the questions that you're looking for. But the only question that really will remain is why should I choose a regular bank over a credit union that will put me ahead of everything else? Good question, isn't it? Telhio Credit Union. Find them on the web at telhio.org. All right, let's talk about that game last night, Blue Jackets and the Carolina Hurricanes. 0-0 game after one. Uh, first period was kind of, uh, you know, hit or miss here or there, whatever. Uh, I thought Corpus Allo made some big saves that kept the Blue Jackets out of trouble early in that game. And then the Blue Jackets finally were able to get on the board. What a play it was by Zach Wierenski taking a puck, pulling it off the end boards, taking the, the rebound off the boards. He's down below the goal line to the side of the net, almost, you know, kind of semi behind the net but he had the presence of mind to get that puck on the stick and shoot it off the blocker pad of Alex Nedeljkovic, the goaltender for the Carolina Hurricanes. He banked it off the goalie and in, and the Blue Jackets had the early lead, but it only took about 46 seconds for the Hurricanes to come right back down the ice and get a nice bounce. The shot that was blocked and the block shot fell right onto the stick of Cedric Paquette and he puts it in the net I'm a poet and I didn't know it, but uh, that made it a 1-1 game at that point. So 1-1, Blue Jackets looking to uh, take the lead. Didn't happen. Carolina got a goal. They took the lead, made it 2-1. But then Cam Atkinson throws the puck toward the net on a power play, and he gets a goal. It was uh, the second goal of the game for the Blue Jackets. They had tied the game. They were sitting in a pretty good spot until late in the third period. Nino Niederreiter right off the faceoff goes to the front of the net. Jacob Slavin lays him out a perfect pass that all he has to do is redirect it from the crease behind Corpus Allo, and that made it three to two. Now, the Blue Jackets could have been done right there. It could have been over. They could have felt sorry for themselves. They could have 
you know, just said, well, we've got Detroit coming up on Saturday. Let's get through the rest of this. They didn't do that. Two minutes and 29 seconds left in the third period. They took a timeout. They took Jonas Corposalo off the ice with the faceoff in the offensive zone. And they battled. And they battled. And they battled. And John Tortorella used, I think, eight players until there were 15 seconds left on the clock in regulation. He was barely changing anybody. But he finally got what he was looking for. And the only reason they got what they were looking for, Carolina had an empty net opportunity. Warren Fogle got a breakaway. Seth Jones was hunting him down. Fogle missed an empty net. There's no other way to put it. He just totally blew it, and he missed an empty net. Seth Jones went in, got the puck, took it back up the ice. Eventually, Oliver Bjorkstrand scores with 15 seconds left in regulation, and the Blue Jackets had tied the game and forced the overtime. And then even in the overtime, I thought it was kind of a, a tough luck play the way the game was lost because Jack Rosselbeck turns it over at the blue line. Okay, I'll give you that. Zach Wierenski's going back. You've got uh, Martin uh, Martin Natchez is going back there towards Corpusalo. This guy was – he's coming into his own, if you ask me, as a player in this league. But he comes in. He takes a shot on Corpusalo. Jonas makes the save. Now, here's where the unfortunate thing is. Zach Wierenski's coming back. So Zach is standing there, and Corpusalo is now to his right. Zach is – Corpusalo has gone out to cut down an angle, move to his right. So Zach is basically in the blue paint of the crease. And Jonas has his back to him. Natchez takes the shot. Corpusalo takes it off the chest and leans forward. And Zach can't see the puck. The puck is on the other side of Corpusalo. He is hunched forward. It appears as though he has the puck. The only problem was he didn't. It came off his body. He tried to poke it away from Natchez, who got it on the stick, threw it to Sebastian Ajo, and it was in the net. The unfortunate thing here is Zach Wierenski, because he couldn't see that puck and he thought the play was over, he relaxed for just a second or a half a second. And it was the difference in the play. Because if he doesn't relax, maybe he can jump forward and attack Ajo, break up the pass, whatever the case may be. Um but again, it's really not his fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's a shot that comes off the body of the goaltender. The defenseman thinks the goaltender has it. Before you know it, the puck's in the net, the game's over, and it stinks. But look, you can be upset if you want to, but I thought that was a really nice rebound from being shut out on Monday, three to nothing. I also think the Blue Jackets are continuing to do the right things in games. It didn't result in the two points, so I'm not saying that uh, you should be completely 100% happy, okay? I'm not saying that. But where you should be happy is seeing the progress that they made over those four games. They picked up five out of eight points, all right? They've got to continue to do that now as we go ahead. But they got five out of eight. And you're playing a team four times, it's tough. The home team didn't win in any way, shape, or form in, in the series, right? So it was a weird series. In many ways, it was a weird series. And there's one game left between the two teams, and that will be in Carolina. But the Blue Jackets now move on. And they open a six-game road trip tomorrow afternoon in Detroit. They've got two against the Red Wings back-to-back -back Saturday and Sunday. And then they go south. They take on the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning for two. And they go across the state to take on the Red Hot Florida Panthers for another two.
before getting back to Nationwide Arena to play Tampa. Again, the schedule is getting difficult the further we go. And would you want it any other way? I mean, if you're going to get into the playoffs, you've got to earn your way into the playoffs. And the Blue Jackets are going to have to play some good hockey against some very good hockey teams over the course of the next couple of weeks. So let's get ready for that series in Detroit against the Red Wings. Of course, you know, Detroit is a team that's in a rebuild, but they've got some good veteran pieces there. Bobby Ryan, Mark Stahl, uh, just to name a few. Valtteri Filppula is there. Franz Nielsen's there. They have experienced guys. Some of those guys, I'm sure, are going to – I shouldn't say I'm sure because I don't know what's going to happen, but I would think some of those guys are going to be moved at the trade deadline as Detroit looks to get – some draft picks and they want to get more pieces to add. Steve Eiserman is the general manager there. He built the Tampa Bay lightning. I know Julian Brisebois made the trades to get Barclays Goudreau and uh, Blake Coleman that really made a difference for that team last year and, and led them to the Stanley cup. But Steve Eiserman built the foundation of that team and he's looking to do the same in Detroit and he's going to do it by drafting and developing. He'll be looking for more draft picks with those veteran players and uh, he'll probably get them, in my opinion. He's going to get some as well. So to set you up for that series, to talk about the Red Wings, where they are, where they're going, what the Blue Jackets, and what you can look forward to uh, this weekend in those two games at Little Caesars Arena, I'm going to bring in Ken Daniels. He's the television play-by-play voice of the Detroit Red Wings. And also, he had something else happen to him this week. He was calling the Red Wings-Nashville Predators game. That's the one where referee Tim Peel was caught on a hot mic making a comment. Uh, because he was caught, he is out of the league. Uh, they they let him go. They didn't let him finish. He was going to retire in late April. They said, look, you're retired now uh, because he had made a comment that he was trying to give Nashville a penalty early in the game uh, to even things up. So anyway, Ken was there. Uh, Ken he experienced that whole thing and he has a personal relationship with Tim Peel so he can uh, get into explaining all of that. So without further ado, here he is, Ken Daniels of the Red Wings. Well, Ken, first of all, it's good to see you because uh, not going city to city anymore. I haven't gotten the opportunity to see you all year. So, uh, so number one, I wanted to tell you that. And uh, number two, I'm looking forward to the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings renewing their uh, rivalry, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's kind of weird, isn't it, to be back in the same division after a couple of years of being split up? Yeah, we, you know, we're out west, and they said go east teams, so we did. Yeah, it, it is different, and uh, seeing you guys and just morning skates and, and not being any there anymore, and I wonder how different that's going to be in the future, whether they decide, hey, we like these Zoom things. I think the players love it. I know we don't, but just to be at a morning skate, you know, how often are we going to be allowed in dressing rooms again? Hopefully in time it will return to normal. I, I just think the players are getting too used to this and it's too easy, but you miss, you miss the one-on-one -on -one interaction with them. You really do. Yeah. Because in our business, that's where you get your stories. That's where you get your stuff uh, right now through zoom. Everybody gets the same thing, which is fine. You're getting information, but um, you know, you want to have something to tell about one of your players or even one of our players, uh, you want to have that personal story to tell on your broadcast, and I'm the same way. And you're right. That's that's the thing that's uh, missing the most, and that's why people like you and I commiserate about that stuff. Yeah, and, you know, even I, I asked for our PR people to get me Sam Gagne the other day on a private Zoom because I had a story because uh, Philip Peronic hadn't scored a goal yet. So he was like a couple of games shy of the NHL record uh, for a, 
a player leading their team in scoring 31 games into a season without scoring a goal. And Philip Peronik was that close. And it was Ryan Whitney of the Edmonton Oilers back before 2010, maybe 09-10 season. And I look and I see, oh, geez, Sam Gagne was on that team. So I didn't want the story out there. We were doing it as our own thing. So can I get Sam on a private Zoom? And I said, Sam, nice seeing you. Because I hadn't seen him all year. We, we get Bobby Ryan. We get Mark Stahl. And I said to our people, I said, they could be moved at the deadline. I will never have met them. And that's the shame of it. You miss the one-on-one interaction. You want to ask somebody. You want to tie it into another story somewhere else. I don't even know these guys. I don't even know if they know me. I guess if they've hurt, they've hurt. If they're hurt, they call me, hear me call a game or with COVID, right? But other than that, they don't have a clue who I am probably. That's the shame. So I, I really miss that because when I was doing college games, Bob, I would go and they'd come up to the NHL. Hey, Cannon, a guy from Michigan, you know, Ohio State. You meet them along the road. They come up to the league and they know you. It's great. Now, these guys, they're on our own team and I don't even know. It's a shame. Oh. I know the feeling. And then it, it, and even when fans ask you things, and I've said this many times because on my uh, Monday edition of the show, I take fan questions and they'll ask me something about Patrick line. And I'll just tell you, I don't know the answer because I've never right. seen Patrick line. I've seen him on the other side of a computer screen. I, I've, I've never met him. I've never shook his hand. Right. I, I've never asked him one question that hasn't, uh, that you haven't seen quite honestly. So yeah. it's, uh, it's really strange. Yeah. And especially in our biz, you know, you're on that morning Zoom call, but then with social media and, you know, the newspaper people or just those who are on social media sites and everyone's on there together. If you have something you want to ask, you can't do it in that forum if you want it to be your own story. And they're in the same boat. So they have to get the private ones or the guys from The Athletic who do such a wonderful job. You have to get these people one or one, one on one or via the old fashioned way, via the telephone, I suppose, unlike Zoom, you actually call somebody. So I, I really wonder how long it's going to take to get back to that where we're in rooms. And I wonder how long it's going to take for many teams to cancel morning skates totally. And then you're also going to miss being in that environment. Yeah. I, well, I'm kind of used to that because torch didn't have morning skates yeah. a couple of years ago for a while. Right. Um, let me ask you this question. When you do get a player on zoom and if it's a player that, you know, a player that has been around, do you find that they are almost excited to talk because I find that with our players, it's, it's like, Oh my goodness, I get to talk to somebody new and I haven't actually talked to you one-on-one -on -one for months. Right. Yes. And, and even Gagne is an example. We were talking because of his association now with John Tavares and the greater Toronto hockey league and uh, running the Marlies or in part. Um, so we were talking about that because I used to referee uh, in the MTHL before it became the greater Toronto Hockey League, it was Metro Toronto Hockey League. John Gardner was president. So I asked him if he knew John Gardner. Yeah, just shooting the breeze, not for, yeah, it, to totally. It's just nice. And he was, very, I mean, he's such a good guy anyway. And you know that hockey players are such great guys. I think, yeah, one on one, they probably are enthused, like seeing somebody they haven't seen in so long. Yeah, I guess so. True. Yeah. I know. And if you run into one of them on the street, like outside the building or something like that, you know, they, First of all, they look at you like, we're not supposed to get close to one another, but, but they still right. want to talk to you, right? Yes, I know. And I, and I feel for those guys because even on off days, they have to go down and get tested. You know, for the guys who've had COVID because you can't test positive for 90 days, you've got the antibodies. There's actually probably a relief there. I don't think they have to show up, but I don't think they have to go through the same testing system. You're almost better off getting it than not getting it, which to that point, talking about COVID, I'm wondering if at the trade deadline, and I said this to Steve Eisenman, I hosted a Detroit Economic Club forum when Steve was on there, I asked him this about three weeks ago. And he said, I hadn't thought of that, but perhaps it could come into play that if at the deadline, 
and you can get a player, not that you're looking for that, but he's already had COVID, it actually is a bonus. You don't have to worry about him. You don't have to worry about him going down or anything else. If they've had it within the last month or two and already tested, they can't for the, the antibodies for the next 90 days, they're probably good. So if you're coming to the deadline, is it a one for one? Well, both have had COVID. Oh, good. We're not going to lose them for a period of 10 days or anybody else. I don't know. It may come into play too. I don't know how great the deadline is going to be anyway, but who knows? It's such a strange, strange uh, season. That is interesting though. And you know, that's, it. you, pr- that's a very good point that you bring up because the last thing you want to do is go get a guy and then be without yeah. him for two weeks. Right now, if you had now if a team U.S. to Canada, you could be without him two weeks, unless a team like Ottawa can be that, that, uh, you know, holder for somebody because Ottawa is going to be out of it. And someone in the U S trades somebody to Ottawa now, and then Ottawa moves into another Canadian club, I guess you could do that. But if Canadian teams don't act quickly, that border's not open anytime soon. They don't seem to be relinquishing the quarantine period from 14 days to 10 or seven, even though the league's asking, I would hope they would, or they're in a conundrum. I don't really know what the Canadian teams do. And maybe they want to do nothing. Maybe they figure they're okay. They're going to go what they got with, you know, you win that division, you're in the final four. So that's not a bad thing, but so much is in, in flex right now that I, if they don't do something in the next week, Canadian clubs, um, yeah, that could cause them to drink Canadian club. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be very different. I think there's going to be some impactful trades at the deadline. I just don't think there's going to be a ton of them, but there's going to be a few, I think that'll make you go. Wow. And, uh, but I don't think there's going to be lots. That's a good point, but, but that just goes with the entire season. Like nobody knows what's going on. We're all playing in an 18 league right now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Then that, yeah. And I don't know about you, but for even me with preparation, like we did Nashville last night, we get them again tomorrow night. I'm pretty much done. And as I'm going through the game the night before, you know, you go in with 30 stories and if you don't have to use 25 of them, that means you had a great game. Well, believe me, last night, if I had 30 stories, I'd probably use 28 because that 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 tape of that game wasn't going to the Hall of Fame. Let me tell you, a lot of nothing was happening all night long. But it's sort of you do your prep and then you're going to use it the next night and try to come up with that eight different ways. Like even our open last night, we had a choice to do Glenn, Glenn Denning on our side or Matthias Ekholm. I said, well, we're going to need Glenn Denning somewhere else very quickly, probably. Let's use Ekholm who may or may not be dealt because who knows David Poyle, whether his team's going to be a buyer or a seller, they can only protect three defensemen with expansion for Seattle. So you've got all these tentacles going, you know, is it going to be Ellis on a longer term deal that's going to be moved? So there are storylines that we get to tell within the game, but playing a team eight times. Oh, wow. How many times can we talk about line A and torts and the rest, or if Felino's going to go or somebody else had, you know, I, I think leading up to the deadline, maybe some storylines would be good. After that, that final month's going to be tough, I'll tell you. But, we just had Carolina four in a row. It's like a playoff oh, series. Yeah, it is. And you know what? But the, the, here's the difference, though. Well, for you know what? For you guys, the way you're going and you're right back in it now, and good for you, and I'm happy for you guys. You know, Chicago's falling off a bit. You guys are back in it, and that's great. It is like a playoff series, but without the one and a half weeks of intensity of a playoff series. That's the difference where you get revved up and it could be literally life or death on that game. I don't think with, you know, early in mid-March it's or late March, it's really life or death to get in and get on a run anywhere. So you're right. It's like a playoff series without the same intensity. I think. Yeah, no question. Hey, you said nothing happened in that Nashville game the other night, but 
Oh, Tim Peel yeah. wouldn't say that. Uh, the referee <sighs> was let go by the National Hockey League this week because he got caught on a hot mic talking about wanting to give Nashville a penalty early in that game. You mentioned earlier that you used to be a referee, so I'm sure that you can, uh, you've got some sympathy with that situation. Uh, it's one of the craziest things, huh? Yeah, and Tim had some off ice one night out with some guys and got reprimanded for that. And uh, he just had, I think it was a, a bad fibula injury just a year ago, and I guess this was his last year anyway. But it's a shame to go out and sullied by that. And yet what he did, probably happens three times a night, just not with a live mic on. And now I wonder if the league's going to revisit that whole thing where we're, you know, as broadcasters, as you know, you want to hear the call from the referee because sometimes we're just lost and we don't know what's going on in there. You want to hear it. When the mics, mics don't work, we get upset that the mics aren't working. And now Gary Bettman hates that when the mics don't work. Now a mic was on when Tim wished it weren't. And I know it wasn't our feed because we went to break. And as we went to commercial, we heard the F-bomb and we went, what was that? And Mickey looked at me and we started to laugh. And we said, that's not a rink mic, that's a ref mic. So we said, play it back for us. We went to break and then our, our director and producer called Houston, our master control, to make sure it didn't go out over the air on our feed and it didn't, thankfully. Because if it did with Fox Sports Detroit and all the Fox networks, if you hear foul language we are to apologize for that foul language immediately it is a must so had we did go to break it was like 12 40 whatever left in the period we went to break coming back i would have had to apologize so they said houston didn't hear it so we said okay that's good but we heard it and i knew right then he was in trouble because it's it happens, as you said, I was a referee. Yeah, it happens. There's makeup calls everywhere. And you feel badly if you miss one. And you know, you're not looking, you are sort of looking for one somewhere else, not chintzy. But if it could be borderline, you're probably calling it to make up. And the referees will tell coaches that the players all know. Just don't say it with a live mic on. So I feel I feel really badly for Tim. He's just a, a good guy, but they had the league had to do it. In my opinion, they had no choice. Yeah, without question. And especially now. Like, let's be honest, betting is a part of uh, what goes on, too, and, and I'm sure that's a big factor. Oh, you know what? I hadn't even gone that way. Oh, for sure. You are bang on on that one because there are everything's everything's about the betting now. And, you know, Fox Sports Detroit's becoming uh, Bally Sports on March 31st. I used to think March 31st was just Gordy House birthday. Now we got another big one on March 31st. It's Bally Sports, Fox Sports Detroit changing over all over the country. So that'll that'll be cool with the name change. But you're right, betting is, is such a, an integral part of the game now. But it's got to be on the up and up, and that's got to be the perception. Well, Ken, when I look at uh, the team there in Detroit, I, I see – actually, I see a lot of good things. I mean, you've got good young talent. You're surrounded – they're surrounded by some very good veterans. But what I really see is Steve Eiserman being able to put into place – a similar plan to what he used when he built Tampa into the Stanley cup champion that they are right now. And uh, you've got a lot of guys like Mark Stahl, Bobby Ryan, you mentioned those guys earlier. You can flip those guys at the trade deadline in a normal year, normally uh, yeah. and you can get some picks. And that's what Steve Eisenman's all about. He's about getting picks draft and development, right? A hundred percent. I think, you know, don't forget that when he went to Tampa, he already had uh, Stedman, and uh, he already had Hedman and Stamkos. I combined the two of them. They, were, they already had Hedman and Stamkos. So they were there. But 
Uh, yes, he did a wonderful job in his patience, and that's what he preached here. And for sure, when he got those guys, Bobby Ryan has already said he'd love to return to Detroit if Steve wanted him. But he certainly understands the situation. Same with Mark Stahl. Detroit would have to eat some money. I don't think they're gonna. you're going to see the uh, Tomash Tatar when he went to Vegas for a first, a second, and a third. And the Red Wings wound up with Joe Valeno and Master Simone, and they ended up with some good picks out of that deal. I don't think you're going to see that. But could you see third-rounders? Second rounders, depending, I, I think with Colorado's goalie situation, he'd been there before, Jonathan Bernier, who his numbers are just outstanding considering the team that plays in front of him, let's be honest, and Bernier from last year and through this year, his even strength save percentage, top five in the National Hockey League, unbelievable, and then he gets hurt. So I don't know where that leaves him. I think he aggravated an injury from earlier, but he was out for a little bit, but hopefully he'll be back. Um, but it's not like you couldn't resign him. He's a UFA. So yeah, there, the, the players, I think there are a few maybe untouchable here, but I think Steve would look at anything anybody's got to offer. We're still a few way, a few years away, I think from truly contending on it, obviously, but there are some good pieces in place, as you say, some good young kids coming. And when you mentioned second and third round picks, look, everybody focuses on the first round picks, but let's be honest. Unless you can do better after that first round, unless you find those those good second, third round picks or the diamond in the rough in the seventh round, whatever it is, uh, you that's how you compete in this league today. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, and as many kicks as the can as you can get. I think Steve has six in the first three rounds and nine picks of the seven rounds in total. So if you can add to that, what's going to be interesting, I think, is how many teams are going to say, you know what, we don't want the picks for this year in 21 in July. We want them in 22, where we'll have a full year to look at these prospects that are coming. And having said that, there's going to be some guys, I think, gobbled up in the second and third rounds in July this year that are going to become really good players because perhaps just with some video scouting and overlooked and not playing, they're maybe going to mature that not before the scouts eyes. It might be just a little bit later. They are, they're going to come back and play. And I think you're going to find some in the second, third and fourth rounds this year that five years from now, we're going to say, how the hell did he go in the fourth and the fifth round? Well, there was COVID and it was 2020 and 2021. That's what happened. They weren't playing, but 22, I think you're going to get better read. So, that'll be another thing I'll be watching at the deadline how many picks um and are going to be moved for next year rather than this year you see see where they go with that well speaking of picks in the draft earlier this week the league announced that it's changing the draft setup and yay I was going to say I'm sure that's welcome news there look there's no doubt that Red Wings got screwed last year I mean yeah. uh as as bad as that season was and having to pick what fourth and and the Rangers who were in the playoffs, quote unquote, ended up getting the first overall Uh, that had to be tough to stomach. It surely was. And that's, you know, four straight years now, I think down a total of eight picks and dropped all, all four times. Now they got Lucas Raymond who's out with an elbow injury. It was an old injury and they had some surgery there. So he's gone for a couple months, but was doing really well in Sweden. Um, I, I would think for sure if they were third, they would have taken Tim Stutzla. They may have even taken Stutzla second ahead of Byfield. And I'm not sure about one. I know when I saw Stutz at the World Juniors a year or two years, whenever it was, and I said, boy, this guy, oh my goodness. And our guys loved him. I can't say for certain they would have taken him at a Lafreniere. I don't know that. But certainly, you know, look what Stutz is doing now. And that's not a surprise to me at all. Lafreniere, I'm not saying he won't be great. He could very well be. I think they're really happy, though, with Lucas Raymond at fourth. I don't know if they would have taken him third, but certainly at four. And, um, 
you know, it's it's still where you look at even the year they drop down to six and they wind up with Philip Sedina. Quinn Hughes goes seven. Uh, that was a, a Ken Holland uh, regime at the time. Barrett Hayden went five to Arizona. So who knows? You still don't know for sure. But you want the opportunity when you're the worst team in the league not to drop more than a couple of spots at worst. And for teams that, as you say, the Rangers have moved right in. Don't forget Chicago was fifth when they got Patrick Kane and they won the lottery. So you're still going to see some of that. I like it that I know some people like the craziness and have everyone involved. No, I think you've, you've got to help those teams at the bottom. And when you can still move up 10 spots and there's 11 teams involved, that's fine. I want to see what the odds are when they were 20% down to 18.5, because last at the last draft, the Red Wings had a better chance to finish fourth than they did to be one, two, three, and they're the worst team in the league by a long shot. How do you go into the draft still with your highest percentage to finish fourth? It was stupid. And sure enough, it happened that way. So I want to see where the pick is with just the two lotteries now for one and two and no longer three. I want to see what the odds are, which is still to be determined where the team that is dead last looks like it's going to be Buffalo unless something crazy happens. But where are they for percentage chance, right? So, you know, um, I, I think that's good. That starts this year and then the other changes for 2022. That's fine. It starts then if the Red Wings get two picks in five years and they can't get any more than that. That's okay. I'd hate for Buffalo to get it this year and then still go forward the next few years. And from Darlene and, and from Michael, God, it's uh, crazy. But at least Edmonton's not in that scenario anymore, I hope. Yeah. I, you know, if anytime you're feeling bad about your team, just look at the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, what a, yeah. what a mess that's, that's turned out to be. Crazy, isn't it? And you feel for them. And everyone, I remember Darlene was a can't miss. And then the struggles that he's had. And what have they had? Six coaches in eight years or whatever it is. And how many, you lose track of how many. Three general managers, six coaches, something like that. That what it is, yeah. And I know before, the year before Ken Holland left Detroit and Steve came on, he was ridiculed, I think, very unfairly in the Detroit media. He went on there at a a post-season news conference. And it went on for a long time to the point that he saw me walk out because it was so long. But he was trying to convince the media and he shouldn't have had to, that it's 10 years in a rebuild. Now, is there there the anomaly there? Sure. And let's take Vegas out of the equation and who knows what Seattle's going to do because with COVID now we're running into the same situation with Seattle that almost Vegas had, that they're going to probably get more than we thought they would. But Ken Holland said it was 10 years for rebuilding and he got ridiculed. Now I said to him, Ken, maybe closer to seven or eight. And he's saying, a rebuild to be truly competitive within the playoffs that you can win a round or two. He wasn't wrong. And look how many years Buffalo missed. Look at what the Oilers have done. Look what the Leafs have done. St. Louis finally won a Stanley Cup for the first time since 1967 when they came into the league. So when he said it's 10 years to rebuild or 8 to 10 to truly be competitive, he wasn't talking about Stanley Cup. It's right. Buffalo's been through it once. Now they're doing it again. Steve Eisenman's been here a couple of years and it started with Ken Holland, probably a year or two late, but he had a new building coming. So there's two years. Now Steve's in year four. If we get a great pick this year in Detroit, now you're into year five and the next year, year six, maybe now in year seven, you're getting to the playoffs, maybe year eight, you're competitive. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. And look how long it took Columbus to win the playoff series. He's not wrong. And now Buffalo's going through it again. Where do you go with that? When you thought with Darlene and Eichel, you'd be in year five already. Now you got to go again. Oh man, that's, that's crazy. So I know I just want to say he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Yeah. Well, that's great. Let's talk about your team as it's constructed right now as uh, the blue jackets get ready to come in there. 
and play a couple of games. Uh, this is a team. It looks like they play with pride. Uh, they're, they're not a pushover by any means. They've won some big games against some of the top competition in this division here, especially recently. You know, what is, what is the character? What is the makeup of this team? What is their identity as you look at them? I think they're playing a lot quicker now and their identity is to compete night in and night out. They, they know like, you know, Thomas Grice and the Red Wings shut out two games in a row now, 130 minutes without a goal. That does happen to teams. Thomas Grice gets like, 1.6 1.6 goals per game on average. So it used to be a race to three, as Daryl Sutter always said. Now it's a race to two. I mean, for the Red Wings, you can't. They, I think I, I think of 22 of 32 games, they scored two goals or fewer. So they have to play as a cohesive unit and defensively. And I think Bernier covered up for some of that. But with Nemeth back there and Stahl back there, and Stetcher's been a nice addition for them. DeKaiser had been hurt and he comes back. I think they are pretty good, getting better at moving the puck. Their defense is a whole lot better than it was a year ago. But if not everyone's buying in, compete, stopping on pucks, coming back, making a play, transition out of your zone quickly. If they don't do that, they're never getting in on offense. So yes, it's a team that competes, but they have to be strong in the forecheck. They have to force turnovers. And I don't think in the game just last night, as we do this, when they were shut out by Nashville two nothing, I don't think they did enough of that. I don't think the compete level was as good, but as we've seen throughout the league this year, one game of that two game series, or you just played with Carolina three, three times, you said, right? Four times. Four times. Four times. I think in game, when you look at two game sets, the differences from game one to game two, either way, totally different. You can't judge one game to the next. And, and this is where I think the Red Wings know their compete level wasn't there in game one. Uh, you can go back and look at this and see if I'm wrong. I think it'll be much better on Thursday evening in Nashville. And that's what they got to do. If they don't have all hands on deck playing their best and without Tyler Bertuzzi, who gives you that every night, and he's been gone now upwards of 25 games and not sure when he's coming back. Uh, it's an injury that can be overcome. It's, it's nothing terrible, but um, they miss that. So Mantha's got to be moving his feet. Larkin drives it every single night, but he needs help from everybody else, from the Zadinas and the Fabries and the Mestikoff and Bobby Ryan. If they're not all doing it, they, they don't have enough. And they don't, the other thing is they don't capitalize on chances. Darren Helmet, a great boy. Darren Helmet, a great chance side of the net. Now he's not a goal, goal, no goal scorer by any stretch. You don't necessarily expect it. But if they don't capitalize on those scoring chances they get, because they don't get many, they're in trouble. The Knights that capitalize, they're okay. And then you get to compete and the guys get up. You fall behind by one or two. Now you're going, how are we going to get two? So they got to get the first one, get some energy going. And when they play like that, that's their identity. They're, they're a competitive team and uh, they, they, they play quickly. And they're a great group, uh, even within the room. The spirits are up. And I think Dylan's a big, Dylan Larkin's a big part of that. Now, the one thing you said about not having to compete in one game and then coming back and having it in the next game, I think that's true throughout this entire league right now. I mean, the Blue Jackets had just won two in a row when they went to Carolina, like all year, it's a split, 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 split. And, you know, I remember when I was in the American Hockey League, at the places that you had to go in, if you went to St. John's, Newfoundland, and you knew you were going to play two games in a row, you were probably not going to win both of those games. When you went into Manitoba to play the Moose, you weren't probably not going to win those two games. And, and now we're doing it like, like every series, right? So uh, I, I don't know. Obviously, some teams are getting these sweeps, but, you know, I, I haven't seen very many of them. And it's, uh, it's almost like if you lose the first one, you're so challenged, you know you got to come out hard in the second one, right? And if you win yeah. the first one, you know the other team's coming out hard in the second one. 
Exactly. And, you know, and you're playing the Red Wings virtually every team they're, they're playing, like you guys, is competing for a playoff spot, but they are not. I mean, yeah, you still have that hope in the back of your head. Could you go on a 10-game run? Sure. Uh, the good teams are doing that. And Chicago did that early and I think surprised a lot of people. But, um, yeah, every, every game is, is just so different. And that's really all they can play for. That's really their little mini playoff series, I think, within each series. Okay, let's get back and win game two of this series. Okay, we split. And then you go on the next one. I think the Red Wings have only won. They haven't won three in a row this season and won two in a row twice. Uh, they were the last team to win two, second last to win two straight. San Jose was the last. And, you know, home ice means nothing for the most part. Yeah, you guys have more fans in your building. The Red Wings, I think we only still only allow in, in Michigan 750 fans. So it's not a great noise factor. I don't think home ice has been any huge advantage to anybody this year. You have that. So you have to create your own energy. And I think for teams that have goal scorers who can put the puck in, that gives the team energy. And the Red Wings don't have that. So now you're fighting to create even more of that energy. And it can be, I don't know, because I'm not going through it. I, I know from talking to guys how tough that Stanley Cup bubble was for teams like Tampa and Dallas to go as far as they did and in that hotel room. And these guys now going on the road, yeah, you can get together in your own room within the hotel, but you're not going out to dinner. You're not bonding. You don't get even back here in Detroit. The families aren't getting together. You're not getting to know the spouses of the other players and all their kids and hanging out. And then you go on the road and you're in a hotel room and you can't do anything besides playing maybe the video games. What are you doing? You're just stuck in there. And uh, in room service, if you want anything, you're not going with the guys, let's go down the street. But, you know, you go for your walks, I guess, but it's just not the same. It must be very, very hard for them to go through this, I'm sure. Every player I've talked to that I've mentioned how much I miss going on the road this year, they tell me the same thing. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not this year. Not <laughs> right. this year. They say you would hate it. So, yeah. yeah, that just that tells you they hate it. But they have a job to do, so they go out there and do it the best they can. But you're right. And John Tortorella has talked about that. Uh, you know, now we have about 4,000 in our building. So yeah. it, it's a noticeable difference. But really, just trying to create that energy, it's it's hard to do. And there's some guys, I'll give you an example. Max Domi is playing much better with people in the building than he was with no people in the building. He, you mm. know, he's the kind of player that he either wants to uh, antagonize a crowd on the road or he wants to, you know, draw from that energy at home. And he hasn't sure. really been able to have that happen, joining a new team in the whole nine yards. You know how it goes. Yeah, you know, I, I to that point, Bob, I think fights are up this year in the National Hockey League. Not that it's going crazy, but fights are up because I think the players are just taking it upon themselves to create their own energy. They got to do something. There's nothing in the building. And are you guys with 4,000 in there? Are you still using synthetic noise? Is it still the, the fake crowd noise or no? Uh, no, no, not really. I, I think it's it's there. I don't know if it's just going to TV, but it's not like it's not in the building like it was before. I can tell you that. Okay, because we still we still have it in ours. And the other night, because, uh, you, you know, I know when the game's going along, you don't necessarily notice it. But I think at one point, they must have hit a wrong button because the reverse of excitement happened the other way. And it was after the fact because you got anticipating the guys who did in the bubble were so good. Those trained guys and you build the murmur, right? It builds up just like we do with play by play. And you get to that point, you're building as they're coming through center in your voice. That's what they should be for crowd noise. And they went to a different direction. And Mickey looked at me and on air, we just started to laugh because it hit us both because we're hearing this magnetic noise and it was the reverse and it just came out of nowhere. And you can't help but laugh. It's just, and I think as we're laughing and we're smiling with each other, we just go, yeah, it's just, it's 2021 now. What are you yeah. going to do? I'll tell you what, the first game, the first game we had fans, we were only allowed 10%. So we had 1,950. That was, and we were in there. I think we were in there. 
Yeah, and and then yeah, yeah, that's right. And then um, Nick Felino got tripped or appeared to get tripped, and there was no call. And I heard people boo the referee for the first time all year, and that's when it finally felt normal to me, Kenny. Right. See, that's what we need. We need people booing referees. Wouldn't Tim Peel still love to be able to be booed right now? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, no, he would. That's right. You were. That's right. Detroit was there. That was at the yeah. four to one game. So yes, I remember because while we well, they were there, we were in the studio. Yeah. Because Mickey was so jealous that a couple of thousand people were in the building. Why can't we get that here? He makes that statement at least once a game. And I got to tell you, if we were on the road, yeah, we do a lot of we we you know I would go on the road and we'd go for dinner and then I'd go back because Mickey you know would sometimes join us sometimes not because of celiac disease and Crohn's and everything else the poor guy's got. He cooks in his hotel room. So he, you know, we'll go buy steaks or shrimp on the road and put it in the frying pan. I don't know. You'd never want to eat it with that much butter, but somehow on the road, actually it was in Columbus. When we were at the Hilton, I wrote about it in my book. I was in my room, middle of the afternoon, you know, we come back from morning skate and the fire alarm goes off. And I'm thinking, yeah, must be. So I open up the door. <laughs> walk down the hallway now mickey's down the hall if you ever want to go find redmond's room in any hotel you're in you just sort of get off the elevator and smell the garlic and you'll find it wherever he's cooking so i go down the hall and i see the maid uh standing outside a door and i walk down toward her and she sees me coming i look up and on a chair there's redmond in his shorts only no shirt on with a towel wave the smoke alarm in his room it was a site that's burned in my retinas that you'll never get out but i had to talk about it in the book so that's what i miss going on the road just hanging out in redmond's room he cooks dinner you're shooting the breeze you're having a pop ginger ale as he calls it and uh, those are the days i truly miss that i hope we can get back to again bob really i'm with do. you i really hope we can get back to those days again soon that's why i'm watching watch the tigers closely I watch, yeah. watch what happens in baseball. I say if baseball can get back to uh, some sense of normalance, uh, normalcy rather when uh, in their travels, that's good for guys like you and me. Yeah, I hope so. I know there, you know, guys are down there in Florida now, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping. I know the NHL, you know, on our call that they want, uh, at least Fox does, too soon to be Valley Sports, wants announcers to travel again. So that's hopeful and we'll, we'll see what happens and whether it's with the team or commercial or who knows. I know Mickey and I have both had our COVID shots, so we're all good in that way and uh, needs a booster every year. I'm all in, got to do what you got to do. So uh, hopefully next season we'll, we'll be okay and we can have training camps and we love Traverse City and we'll have Northern Michigan. So uh, we hope so. Where's your, where's, uh, where's Columbus's training camp set up? Well, our, our guys go to Traverse City. And they do oh, right. You go up for the yeah. prospects, Bernie. Yeah, for the so prospects. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. guys actually right. have camp. Yeah, we go for the yeah. prospects, and then we just have it uh, right here at the building because the practice rink is attached. So, Right. You know, I, I think we're going back to Traverse again. We have a practice rink like you guys do, but I think they're going up to Traverse again, which is the people up there are so wonderful. It's such a good time in the golf tournament. and get to meet some of our players after not seeing them for a year. I hope I hope half of them are still here by, by April 12th. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I, I never – appreciated training camp and preseason games enough you know right. all those games where you're calling calling guys that you know they're going to be there for a week and you're never going to see them again and, and yeah. you're trying to study up and all that you know i would always say why are we even doing this why are we broadcasting these games what we're, we're not going to see half these guys i would do almost anything to do one of those games during a training yeah. camp now because i've realized how valuable it is 
Uh, you know, mm-hmm. no training camp for a team like the Blue Jackets who are, who still have not completely meshed. No preseason games has been uh, it's been yeah. a big deal here. Yeah, and I and I think it was here too. And then right in the start of the season, the Red Wings had won a few, and then they got hit by COVID. And amazingly enough, five guys came down with COVID when the season began in January. Darren Helm from training camp already had COVID, so there's six guys. We weren't shut down and played through it and went eight without a win. So we would have, in hindsight, who knows where we'd be now, even if we won four of those, even on 50-50 on those, you got eight more points. We're not so far back right now. And that's the crazy thing when we look at it. We got shut down, did not get shut down during that COVID time and couldn't win a game. We probably would have been better off being shut down, perhaps, because we were missing some key guys. That's what's so weird about this season. Tell you what, this is one, this season, all of us that are involved in it, this is one we'll never forget and we're all going to talk about for a long time. Right, for sure. And we'll all be publishing books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if we can all get rich off of it or, or get oh, you some spending get. money. I've, I've done a book. Trust me, you're not getting rich off. <laughs> Believe me. All right. Believe me. All right. We'll get a couple of ginger ales out of that. There you go. How's that? All right. That, that works, Bob. That works for me. Oh. Well, in the meantime, this is how we do things. So I appreciate you giving me your time, Ken. Uh, again, it's great to see you. It's great to talk with you. Wish you, uh, wish you nothing but the best uh, the rest of the way this season. Thank you, Bob. Same to you. Same to you guys. Go get them. You know, I love torts, so uh, go get them. That is Ken Daniels of Fox Sports Detroit. Calls the games for the Red Wings, and it was great to have him on this show to break everything down uh, today. The Blue Jackets and the Red Wings are going to play back-to-back games tomorrow afternoon and Sunday afternoon. Both of those games will begin at 3 o'clock. You can get pregame coverage both on Fox Sports Ohio and on the Blue Jackets radio network starting at 2.30 each day. I also have a programming note about the upcoming Monday mailbag. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to, for the first time, I'm going to be calling a game on the road. So I'm going to be traveling to Tampa, which is going to put me in a little bit of a bind when it comes to the Monday mailbag. So here's what I would like to ask of you. If you want to be on this week's show with your question, whether it be a voice memo or a short video that you record and email to me, Bobby Mack at bluejackets.com, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at bluejackets.com. Or if it's just a comment on Twitter at Bobby Mack Sports is where you can find me there or on Instagram at Bobby Mack Sports. Uh, If you want to do that, you can do that. What I'm asking you to do is maybe turn it in a day early. If I can get everything on Saturday and put things together and and go from there because I, I want to I wanted to uh, get that done for you so that you have it and you can enjoy it and I can answer your questions. And and I'm going to be traveling down to Tampa and uh, call the games there on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. So just a programming note, get me your questions as soon as you can for the Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 this week. Okay. All right. So tomorrow blue jackets and the red wings, two 30 pregame coverage, three o'clock, the puck drops from little Caesars arena. First game of a back-to-back, a quick two-game set in Detroit for the Blue Jackets before they head to Florida. Again, thanks to Ken Daniels for being on with me today. Thanks to you for being here as always. And I hope you enjoyed this edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.